evening. How are we all going? You're all good? All ready? Hanging on? We'll see what we can get for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, this... Um, just wonderful opportunity to be able to come together in your name. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you would just take my words that I've put together and you would just minister to each and every one of us as only you can. And we give you praise and honour in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a question for you this evening to start with. What made Jesus marvel? What made Jesus stop and go, wow, that's astonishing? Jesus himself certainly had the wow factor, didn't he? People marveled at Jesus. His own parents, Mary and Joseph, when they presented, as I was just reading this this evening, this is funny, they were presenting God to the Lord. (laughs) Think about it. (laughs) When they presented him, all the things that people said about him, they marvelled at what they said. One day in a boat, there was a storm. Jesus stood up and calmed the storm and the disciples marveled at this man who is he that can calm a storm Matthew 9:33 Jesus was healing people and delivering them from demons and the multitudes marveled at what Jesus was doing marveled it's a great word isn't it i don't think we hear it too often these days possibly being translated to awesome or something that's used very loosely But marvel in the dictionary is astonishing, a wonderful or astonishing thing to wonder at or about something. The uh, when it's the translators in who've translated the Greek to the English in a number of places have used this word marvel, and it means to wonder and to admire. My translation is the wow factor. That something has stopped you in your tracks, and you go, wow. That's amazing. Have you ever marvelled at something? I'm sure we all have at some time. Oh, (laughs) good on your neck. (laughs) Now I've just messed everything up. That's all right, we'll leave it there. We went to the Wet Sundays a few years ago and we went up on a lookout to overlook Whitehaven Beach and what they call Hill Inlet. I'm sure most of us, if you haven't been there, have seen postcards or pictures of it and we marvelled at it. Yeah. Uh, we'd been spent some time on the beach itself and I thought, oh yeah, it's a beach. But when you get up higher and you look over the whole beach and then the inlet and where all the different swirls of the water and the changing of the tides, we just marvelled at it. It was amazing. Yeah. And I think in nature it even looks better than what the photographers do with it. On um, 
Wednesday night. I don't think I'm the only one who marvelled at that score. Now, most of you know that I like to really stir the New South Welshman up, especially my wife, because she can't get a win to save herself. But I don't think anyone saw that coming. I saw an interview with Paul Laurie Daly, the coach of the New South Wales side, and he was asked, what happened? All week at training, in the camp, we had the right attitude. We were tough. We were, they ticked all the boxes he wanted them to tick. I mean, before the game, I was nervous because the last two years, New South Wales have finally given us some opposition. Yeah. After eight years? Yeah. I, think, I think it's eight, isn't it? Joanne, is it eight? We won straight in a row? Yeah. <laughs> but nobody saw that. It, it was... I marvelled at it. I was, it had a wow factor. Totally astonished. But what made Jesus marvel? Did anything? What made Jesus stop and go, wow, that's amazing. Whoop, there we go. Faith. Now, Jesus certainly acknowledged and commended people for their faith. In Matthew chapter 9, there's three, three um, pieces there. One, when the, the, uh, the guys brought their mate to the house and lowered him through the roof, and uh, he said, gee, that's pretty good faith. You know, Arise, your sins are forgiven, off you go. He, you know, you've done a great job. The woman, woman with the issue of blood who came up behind Jesus and, and touched his garment and said, you know, your faith has made you well. Well done. Two blind men, they, they asked for him to, for the healing. And he said, again, your faith has made you well. He's commended them for their faith. But there are only two accounts that I can find in the New Testament where Jesus marveled at faith, at people's faith. Now, I'm not sure how you measure someone's faith because I've seen people who you think, like, wow, they're just so strong and so whatever, and some little thing happens, they fall over, they turn away from God, and you think, how did that happen? Then you see others that they just sit in church and sort of they're here every week, and then some mon monumental thing happens to them and they just... Stand up strong and just march through what's going on. So how, how do we... I'm not sure if I can measure faith. And, uh, but of the two accounts, one was negative and one was positive. The first one is in his hometown of Nazareth. The second, an encounter with a Roman centurion. If you want to turn to Mark chapter 6... Verses 1 to 6. Then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished. Similar word to marveled, same sort of meaning. I think some, some in um, 
interpretations do put there marvelled, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. Verse 6. He marvelled at their unbelief because of their unbelief. It stopped him in his tracks. He was astonished at their unbelief. In my Bible, I have a little cross-reference here to Luke chapter 7 and verse 9. Luke chapter 7 is an account of uh, Jesus was in Capernaum and a, uh, a certain centurion's, centurion's servant was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves their nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I do not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he what? He marveled. He went, wow, that's awesome. And he says, I say to you, I have not found such faith, not even in Israel. How interesting. The only person who Jesus marvels at their faith, who stopped him in his tracks, was a Gentile. Not only a Gentile, but a Roman. Not only a Roman, but a Roman soldier. If the Jews wanted to hate somebody, firstly, they would hate a Gentile. Secondly, they would hate a Roman because they were ruling over them and they couldn't do what they wanted in their own country. Thirdly, a Roman centurion. So much-hated person of the Jewish nation and Jesus goes, wow, I have never seen such faith even in all Israel. In Matthew 8, there's the same, same account of this, this encounter with this centurion. And in Matthew 8, 10 and 11, Jesus goes on to say, And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. 
But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out, of the, out into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Jesus is saying to the crowd that's following, which would be Jews, the children of Abraham, that was their badge. We are the seed of Abraham. That was, that put the chest out. We belong to Abraham. And Jesus had turned to them and said, your heritage just isn't going to cut it, fellas. He just slapped them all in the face. It's people like this Roman centurion who are going to be at the feast. That's a double wow. They would have been mortified at what this man was saying to them. A Gentile Roman centurion was the only one who stopped Jesus in his tracks and made him go well. That he marveled at his faith. So what happened at Nazareth? His hometown. He grew up there. Can I suggest this evening that, I'll try and say this word, familiarity. (laughs) They were all too familiar with him. They knew him from childhood. They'd grown up with him. They knew his parents. They knew all about him. He was a kid from down the road. He, He followed the carpenter around. He was the carpenter's son. In Mark 6.3 it says, is this this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon and are not his sisters here with us? They knew all about him but I wonder, did they have a relationship with him? How well did they actually know him? Luke 15 James touched on it this morning and it's probably one of the most preached on and most popular chapters of the Bible of the prodigal son. And the account of the prodigal son is about relationship with the father but so often we major on the young son. And then time's running out at the end of the sermon, so we mumble something about the older brother and, and amen, we finished it all. But neither one had a relationship with the father. One was radical, went off the rails. The other was in the father's house all the time. The older son was the good boy but neither had a relationship with the Father. Looking Luke 15, at the end of the, end of the chapter, where the good boy is jumping up and down about the party they're giving, the father is giving for his son was lost, but he's now found. His father comes out to him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you, I never transgressed your commandment at any time and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. 
But as soon as this son of yours comes, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, which if you look at the real interpretation of how he spent his money, he probably didn't, but that's another sermon. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is now found. Verse 12. Verse 12 says, And the, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to... Who did he divide to? Is that singular? He divided to them. So with my limited intelligence tells me that dad went down the middle, gave half of his livelihood, his father's own livelihood to one son and he gave the other half to the other son. And all those years the son never even recognised it or acknowledged it. He was just maybe too dumb or maybe he was just too self-righteous. Again, we need to know who Jesus is talking to. At the beginning of chapter 15, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. Who was he talking to? Pharisees and the scribes. And he's left them with this to think about the self-righteous son. Can we be too familiar? Is that possible? Can we lose our awe of God when we come week to week Year after year, church can become routine, the same old, same old. We've heard all the stories. How many times have we heard Luke 15? And I've used it again. You know, tonight, have we marveled? The Holy Spirit come upon a lady this evening and ministered to her. Oh, that happens all the time. <coughs> James had a word of knowledge for legs. I've seen that before. <coughs> <laughs> We're laughing. Did you marvel at that this evening? I think I could probably say I didn't. I didn't really have a a wow factor when possibly it should have. Maybe not possibly, maybe it should have. In worship, did we marvel as we were singing praises to God? Or was that just because from the first 20 minutes of our, ser of our service we have songs?
Can we become self-righteous? I think the answer is possibly yes. More than likely, it is yes. But it's our choice. It's our attitude and our expectation. Years ago when we lived in Orange, I went to a um, combined service of the churches in Orange and after that we had a supper and I was talking to a, a fellow and he went to the Catholic church and they had mass every morning, early in the, like at half past six, seven o'clock in the morning five, or the, during the week. And uh, he was telling me about how much he loved going to this service to start his day off and he was just so excited about it. And uh, I thought to myself, with no disrespect, but they would be using their prayer books or their, order, their services and I'm thinking, you know, they wouldn't be real exciting. I've read some of those and they are. Yeah. But when you're doing it year after year, week after week, day after day. But this guy was excited. He just loved going to church before going to work. Yeah. And he said, I can't, can't do without it. I hate being sick and can't go. Yeah. And I could tell he, he, he marveled. He was excited. If James wanted to do a service every morning, how many of us would be here? Probably not me. <laughs> no, I probably would because he'd want me to be there. <laughs> See, we could be self-righteous at this guy who's a Catholic who goes five days a week. And what are we doing? May we be, never be like the people of Nazareth too familiar with Jesus to miss what he's doing in our lives and in the lives of those around us. How can we prevent it? Well, you know, I think it's quite easy. We don't need a 12-step plan. We don't need to coo on and go and buy all the books. We just need to be continually looking to God and his grace, his unmerited favour remembering what he has done for us. Did we marvel this evening with what Tian said and, and what we did? One Corinthians eleven twenty four twenty five and when he had given thanks he broke it and said Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. In what? Remembrance of me. Yeah. We can be continually remembering what Jesus has done, right. what God has done. We can still marvel at what we read when we, when we read the Bible. And I hope you all read it regularly. Who knows what might happen? Keeping focus. Keeping Jesus central. We can get excited again about things that happen all the time. And I think we should marvel that those things happen all the time. 
Imagine if we came to church week in, week out, year after year, and nothing ever happened. Maybe we would marvel at that. Sheesh, <laughs> what's going on? The, the leadership need to have a planning meeting. And who knows what might happen? But that's the simplicity of the Christian faith. Yeah. We've just got to look to Jesus. When we get in that... And let's be honest, I'm sure we've all been there. When you just... You know, you've, I've been a Christian 30-something years. And it can, can get a bit, you know... Gee, we've done that before. But let's get excited. Let's marvel at it. If, if the, the team could come back on the platform, that'd be good. Some years ago, we went to um, the Sunshine Coast. Sandy and I, and we took Heather, and one of her fr- Heather's friends came with us. And we've been coming and going from the Sunshine Coast for some years. And... Uh, we were driving from down sort of Maroochydore, Maloolaba way up to, to Noosa because we always do that because it's a nice drive and you get to see the scenery and it's part of what we do on the Sunshine Coast. So we're driving along, yeah, yeah, looking at the, you know, the sea and everything and in the back, this girl's going, oh, wow, oh, look at that. And he's going, what the heck's she looking at? She said, is there anywhere, because she liked photography, she said, is there anywhere we can take a picture? Oh, yeah, there's sort of spots we can pull off. So we pulled off and she's going, oh, look at that. And we're still trying to work out what she's looking at. <laughs> we were so familiar with that beautiful coastline of the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, come on. It was the first time she'd seen it. And she was just in awe. She marvelled at this coastline sort of made us think a bit <laughs> how much we take for granted, hey? Yes. You know, I used Luke 15 to show about relationship. How we can, you know, the people of Nazareth knew Jesus. He was Jesus, the carpenter's son. In Luke 15, there was no relationship between either son and their father. And you know, I'm sure we can do that. We can be in church for years and not have a relationship with Jesus. We can do all the right things. I mean, come on, us Pentecostals, we think, oh, we do everything all different. We don't have routine. We don't do that. You ever watch the service? Yeah. We do routine. Yeah. Thankfully, God interjects sometimes. <laughs> you know, and we, we have a go at the other churches who use a format. I've seen people in those churches who would run rings around most Pentecostals in their faith. In the way they, they love God, they serve God. So let's not be self-righteous. Let's, let's, you know, I, the, other, the other day in my, uh, I was, through my journaling, I was 
different days over a couple of days began to understand I probably should have learnt this a long time ago when things come against you or people are having a go at something the scriptures I was reading the difference between those who went up and went in compared to those who went out in other words there were those that when trouble came they started fighting and and fighting back at where it was coming from and those that won went to God first and said check my heart they kept themselves pure they kept themselves right and those wonderful words the battle is mine saith the Lord it's about relationship perhaps tonight you might have been going to a church or been around Christianity for a long time you know what to do you know when to sing you know when to clap you know when to do whatever do you have a relationship do you marvel at Jesus and what he's done for you let's bow our heads for a moment take a moment to think am I too familiar have I lost the sense of wow maybe there's even someone here who's never even had the sense of wow with Jesus you know about God you've read about him you don't have a relationship with him I want to give you an opportunity this evening if you would like to have a relationship with Jesus that you've never had before if you'd just like to slip your hand up and indicate that if there's anyone here Amen Am I too familiar? Let's stand together. Let's just, if we can just keep doing that, thanks, Kate, that'll be great. Just be your while on your own, just have a think. Am I too familiar? Do I marvel at what God is doing in my life or in the life of those around me? Heavenly Father, we just stand here before you this evening. 
Father, we just stand in awe of you. I know we can, in our mortal mind and our thoughts, I don't think we can truly grasp your awesomeness. As we read your words, you just things that happened in that day when your son walked on the earth. Hallelujah. Lord, forgive us the times when we've, I guess, been like the people of Nazareth. We've just come all too familiar with church, even with our relationship with you. But I thank you, Father, that I guess like the the um, the father and the prodigal son, you've you found your son, and you're always ready to help us and to be restored back into correct relationship with you, Lord. Lord, just forgive us when we've been blasé about what you've been doing in people's lives. I'm sure each of us have been guilty of being the older son when the whole time we've been walking in your inheritance. Father, your word says that we are joint heirs with your son, Jesus Christ. May we marvel at that on a daily basis and not be like the older son who couldn't see it and was offended and angry at his father. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, just minister to each and every one of us this evening and through this, through this week to come. In Jesus' name.